Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and we're going to change things up a little bit. The first hour, we really talked about hunting and wildlife and conservation, and we're going to get into fishing because we're at a time of the year when we are going through some changes. Um, It's been teasing us all winter. Are we going to have open water? Are we going to have ice? I think we've turned the corner where we'll still have some ice conditions, but we're going to start focusing more and more towards open water because I think we'll still get cold weather but I think we'll get more and more warm weather and longer days. And I'm going to go to the phones and see if our esteemed expert fishing guide guest agrees with me. Good morning, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? Hey, you know what? I'm doing great. And we really are. Um, I think we've probably, uh, we've probably turned the corner where there's going to be, well, there's going to be ice fishing in the mountains, but some of those conditions aren't so great with the slush and things. And we're, we're we're going to see more and more trending towards open water with a few ice fishing opportunities. Is that what you see out there? You know, Terry, I I, I have in my head absolutely that. I mean, obviously, you know, March first on a lot of these front range waters is the opening of boating season. If we're ice free, uh, you know, in the past ten years, we've had many years where we're literally boating. You know, right now, and if not, you know, the next couple of days. Um, I just left Chatfield Reservoir right now, uh, and I'll tell you, reluctant of the warm temps, reluctant of of all the conditions, you know, longer days, sun. Um, we've got a lot of great ice on Chatfield. I've actually done, uh, I think, nine guide trips in the last seven days out there doing a lot of doubles. Um, and we have a lot of ice, so we wanted to kind of talk about that because, again, there's no doubt that I, I think the one – nasty windstorm and things like that and our ice season is going to come to an abrupt you know halt uh down here in the front range um but like right now at chatfield reservoir you almost have to divide the lake into three portions so if you went from like massy draw people know where that is straight across to the east um kind of over to where the kind of dam meets the trees um that portion going north you're on about four inches of ice you go from there to about the handicap pier area um, you're on about five and a half, five and three quarters inches of ice. Um, and then if you keep moving south, the further south you go, um, I found a couple pockets of nine inches of ice, uh, and I found pockets uh, upwards of 11 and a half inches of ice. Um, so really, Chatfield has three, again, three major sections of ice. Um, and as we always say, ice quality is far more important than thickness. Uh, we are getting to that time of year where days like yesterday where it was 70 degrees, uh, you know, you definitely do start getting some rot on those top portions and those top layers of the ice. Um, so again, I, I think that we are on the tailing edges of it. Uh, but with that being said, you know, we're averaging anywhere from 12 to 25 walleyes a trip right now on the ice. Uh, my best day this week, I think we had a 32 fish day. Um, we are, we are absolutely catching more walleyes and probably having the most aggressive bite that I've seen in years, um, down in the front range. And we're getting that because of two reasons. One, we keep talking about how we have kind of a, a low point in our bait fish population. So we have less shad than normal, which obviously causes for great fishing out there. Um, and we're mixing that with the pre-spawn uh, conditions that are just making these walleyes agitated. Your, your females, your males, they're, they're very aggressive. You're really getting a, 
a major influx in their feeding pattern just due to the pre-spawn conditions as they prepare to spawn here in another couple weeks. Um, so you kind of take the low point in the shad and mix with the pre-spawn, um, and it literally is is the best walleye bite I've seen in years. Um, but obviously, you can't let that get you too excited, and you have to keep safety in mind. Um, you know, I tell people, you got to check the ice daily um and really what the biggest thing is all the expansion cracks so we built ice fast um especially on that northern half of the reservoir um so we built that ice really in the last couple weeks and as we built that ice obviously you build ice you get expansion um so you might be able to stand and fish on great ice but you've got to make sure that as you have to cross those expansion cracks getting to and from you know obviously your parking areas uh, that's going to be your major weak point in the system so the expansion cracks are going to be the first to go uh, so use a lot of caution when out there. Now, a couple points I want to make, and then I have a question for you. Um, one is I couldn't agree with you more about checking the ice, and we can get some awfully nice days with good ice because good ice does take some time to melt. It won't break down like over overnight, so you can get out there on it. Uh, the one point I want to make is that you can have two lakes that are across the highway from each other, and one will be wide open, and one one will have fishable ice. Boyd is they're shooting to try to open the lake for boating tomorrow. Now there's I had somebody drove by and said that it looked about 80% open so they may end up delaying that a day or two. But now you're talking about, you know, several inches of ice on Chatfield. So that makes uh, you know, the other question I had for you though, somebody texted and they want to know where to go ice fishing this afternoon and you may have covered that by talking about Chatfield, but we'll give them some other options. I'm sure you will. But are you only catching the walleyes early and later? Are you catching them during or through the day? And are you catching any other species during the day? You know, a little bit. Um, I would say for sure the low-light period is best. Um, I spent some time yesterday kind of in the, the later morning, early afternoon. Um, you catch a few fish, but as far as capitalizing on your opportunity, um, Honestly, it is a hour-and-a-half window, two-hour window. Um, I would definitely – I mean, we caught fish this morning immediately at 5 a.m., and at 7 a.m. it was tapering off drastically hard. Uh, afternoon last night, uh, really from 5 p.m. to about 6.30 p.m. was my bite window. Um, so, honestly – you can spend a lot of time out there. We, we always say it's a good thing to do, you know, spend time, learn the bite, yeah, have fun, enjoy ice fishing. Uh, but if you are not about wasting time, if you want to make the most of that time, you know, uh, you just want to get out there and flat out catch uh, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and again, I'd say 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. in the afternoon uh, are those key windows where you are going to catch a lot of fish. Uh, we're catching a few trout kind of mixed in. Uh, but honestly, I'd say the walleyes are being so aggressive now. A couple weeks ago, we were getting quite a few trout mixed in. Um, now these walleyes are so aggressive. Um, I'm not seeing many trout cruising with them. If you're in a good walleye spot, um, these walleyes are so feisty right now. They're kind of keeping all the other fish kind of away. Um, so if you're in the right walleye spot, you're primarily going to just catch walleyes. Um, I was able early in the week to sneak out to some of the bass spots, um, kind of on the northern half of that reservoir. Again, that's the, the, the where the ice is starting to, to lose uh, that quality, so you got to be careful. But if you do get to one of the smallmouth spots, um, the smallmouth were absolutely on fire. Um, again, talk about a fish that's just grumpy about winter, grumpy about being cold. Um, they're getting restless down there for sure. Uh, we did really good on smallmouth this uh, the last week or so. Um, so if you do get to one of those spots, that bite's going strong. Uh, the other bite that we have strong, again, it's more targeted species. Um, 
But we are starting to see a lot of fish filter into the north boat ramp. Uh, so at Chatfield, the north boat ramp, we're seeing a lot of rainbows filter into that boat ramp, um, actually going through the early stages of their spawn. Um, so, again, it's totally a false spawn. Nothing's going to happen with it. But we are seeing a lot of rainbows uh, piling into kind of the west half of the, the north boat ramp at Chatfield. And that, that again, you got got quite a bit of ice in there. It's a little more protected. Um, so that's a great place to go just to catch some fish. Um, and honestly, I think for somebody that's looking to get out, if you want to stay off the ice or you don't, you know, you're not real confident on the ice, um, carry all right now. You got 28 to 32 inches of ice, um, and the bite there is fantastic. You want to go catch a lot of rainbows, you want to be on ice that is beyond stable. Um, carry all right now is a great place to go to, to catch a bunch of fish and have, you know, really very secure, safe ice. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, any pike showing up at Terry all? They are. Our pike bite is, uh, I would say, is on statewide. We are 100% in pre-spawn for pike. Um, Eleven Mile is fishing amazing. Uh, Terriel is fishing decent. Uh, Stagecoach is fishing really well for pike. Um, again, that population, you know, has has dwindled down a little bit as they've really managed it. Um, but this time of year, when those fish gather up, that bite's going strong there. And Williams Fork is producing a bunch of pike right now. Uh, they just had a tournament up there. Um, you know, last weekend it went really well for them. I think a 36-inch pike won that. Um, but again, across the board, I'd say if you're a pike fisherman, these fish are now sliding into mud, so they're transitioning from deeper water, transitioning from rock. Uh, they're now piling up more on those muddy flats, a little bit shallower water. Uh, I've put a major focus on like six to ten feet of water, um, and those pike are showing up everywhere in that pre-spawn condition. So really fresh bait. Um, you know, fish under like a tip-up is going to be a, a surefire way to catch those fish. I'd also put a little bit more emphasis on later in the day uh, for those big pike. I spent a couple of trips or did a couple of trips in the last two weeks. Um, morning was okay. Afternoon has been amazing. Uh, so again, one of those fish. Uh, not all the fish give us the opportunity to sleep in. Usually we're out there, you know, the crack of dawn. Um, but with these pike, I would say if you're starting at 11 a.m. noon and fishing till you know later afternoon, that's going to be your key window for those big pike, right? Now, and again, this is the time of year where we catch a lot of fish. It hands down the, the best time of year for the biggest fish in that system. Uh, so definitely a lot of opportunity for pike right now. How about 11 mile? Similar or totally different? Similar. Yep. Like I said, all, all I'd say almost all of them. So uh, Williams Fork, we're doing the same thing. Six to 10 feet mud. Uh, we're putting an emphasis right on the inside of points at Williams Fork. Uh, at Stagecoach, we're fishing mainly the inlet arm. Uh, and same thing, we're fishing flat shorelines, but six to 10 feet as well. Uh, at 11 mile both sides of of like uh hobart point are producing a lot of fish um the the mud shoreline on stole mountain is producing a lot of fish um slightly on the edge of the river channel out of cross creek is producing a lot of fish uh so same thing i would say across the board if you're pike fishing mud you know mud areas mud mixed with weeds um you know if you have some sand in there it's not terrible uh but mud and, and weeds is going to be your primary focus six to ten feet of water um and if you're anywhere where you have Deeper water, close to it for security. If you get a you know big pressure system coming in, uh, that definitely helps. So six to ten foot deeper water near there, um, you know mud, weed bottom. You're going to catch fish right now. Now I want to get to more of the front range, but before I do, let's touch any other <clears throat> mountain lakes that you've heard much about. 
You know, our fish really piled shallow at Antero right now, which we're really excited to see. Dustin Sigler was up there yesterday. Uh, I was up there a couple of days ago. Um, we're seeing these fish really start to stack shallow. Um, we really, I don't want to say it was a bad year, but we, we had a lot of fish spread out at Antero this year. Um, and again, when the fish were there, you were catching them and the bite was good. But we definitely had fish spread out more. They they gather. They didn't pile up shallow as as early as they normally would. Uh, so our fish and turtle will really spread out almost this entire ice season. And really, in the last ten days or so, they've really moved in shallow. So your major focus up there, I would not fish deeper than six feet of water. I'd put my main focus of four to six feet of water, um, whether that's a shoreline, whether that's around the islands, uh, but shallow water in Antero right now. Those big fish are up there. Um, you know, a lot of people keep saying they're catching smaller fish. Um, again, you're going to catch numbers of fish and those big quality fish in shallow water right now. And that really is, is recent. Um, so if you haven't been up there in, you know, the recent week or so, um, those fish have now shown up shallow. So your, your catch rate is going up. Uh, your odds of finding fish is going up. So Antero is definitely uh, a bite that I would say is worth it. Again, 26 inches of ice right there, a little bit of snow on top. Um, we've had a lot of rough driving conditions getting to and from there. South Park really got hit hard with snow in the last couple of weeks, uh, but they got the highways cleaned up really well. Uh, so Antero is definitely a great place to go catch, you know, numbers of fish and the, the possibility of a lot of those bigger rainbows right now. Big cut bows are up shallow. Um, so again, kind of that springtime feel is hitting, uh, and it's got these fish very excited, kind of across the board, whether it's pike, rainbows in the hills going very strong, uh, so again, are those pre-spawn conditions for walleyes down here on the front range. And with the, you know, we just talked so much about Chatfield walleye, um, and that bites across the board. It, it's more the aggression of the fish in a pre-spawn. So we're catching these fish on the ice, um, you know, on structure. But if you're on a body of water that's open water, like Boyd, or even as Cherry Creek, I think it's going to break up long before Chatfield will. Um, Aurora will probably break up here quicker than, than Chatfield will. Um, so as these lakes start to, to open up and you start to get that water, you know, and you, even if you get just little pockets of water, um, you're going to see these walleye stacked up on points, stacked up on shoreline structure. Um, and you can throw jigs to these fish. You can throw crankbaits and jerkbaits to these fish. Um, again, in the right now for about the next 10 days, um, it's probably the most active and aggressive these walleyes are going to be for the springtime period. Um, again, we don't usually get a lot of opportunity to hit these fish in that pre-spawn time. A lot of times it's right in the transition of no ice um, and not enough open water. Um, and right now it, it's prime time to, to catch those fish. So if you have that opportunity, whether on ice or on water, um, that, that pre-spawn walleye bite is something that I would definitely not pass up right now. Now, any concern at all that because the amount of ice on Chatfield and Cherry Creek still – but Cherry Creek, you said, is going away. Any concern about the egg gathering by Parks and Wildlife? Have you heard you know, anything? I, I had a meeting with Parks and Wildlife yesterday, actually, to discuss this. Um, I mean, I think there always is concern, yes. I think Cherry uh, Creek tends to run just a little later on the spawn um, than Chatfield does. Chatfield is definitely the, the first one to go. I mean, you could have nets out there now and you'd be collecting fish. Um, so I think they're set to go for Pueblo. Pueblo's looking great. I think Cherry Creek will open up enough by their planned set date of that 14th, 15th, 16th of March, somewhere in that little two, three-day window um, is going to be a great time. So I think they'll get enough open water on the dam face of Cherry Creek to where I don't think the whole lake will be open, but I think they'll be able to go from the marina to the dam. So I think they'll be fine to set nets there. And they're kind of hoping the same thing at Chatfield. Um, you know, Usually that south boat ramp kind of breaks apart open. There's docks there. The docks create a lot of heat, so you get some water there. Um, so I, I would not anticipate Chatfield open to boating 
honestly, I think it'd be a solid month. Um, I mean, 11 inches of ice is not going to go away quick on that south end. Um, but I do think in the next couple weeks, um, hopefully we'll get enough water along the dam face and kind of in that south marina where they could sneak those boats um, kind of around ice flows and set some nets. Uh, but it, it definitely is going to be Chatfield will be the, the latest uh, of all these bodies of water where they do collect nets. So Pueblo will be good to go. Hopefully Cherry Creek will. And then uh, it's kind of rolling the dice to Chatfield to see what that will bring. Yeah, and, you know, I also want to mention right now, too, because we're talking most of our conventional fishing with you today, so I'm keeping you a couple minutes over. But you mentioned the uh, trout that were shallow at Antero, and what happens, you and I both know that early ice and late ice can be some of the best fishing. Of course, this year we had early ice and late ice every week, but <laughs> but <laughs> but um, as the even that has been cold, but there's been snow, and as that has melted and bled under the shoreline, even if there's a lot of ice, you're getting fresh oxygenated water. It's going to make the bug life come alive a little bit. The trout, are, the trout are shallow for a reason. I'm hearing that across the mountain lakes that the bite's kind of shallow, especially big fish. And you're getting, even though there seems like a lot of ice and a lot of snow, you may not be getting much light penetration, but you are getting water running under that ice. 100%, Terry. I mean, even these nicer days, uh, I mean, you combine the longer days of sunlight and a little bit warmer temps, um, and all the flow rates are higher. So, again, not that you're actually seeing it as an ice angler, but if you look at the flow rates in all the rivers, I mean, the Arkansas is flowing. It went from 200 to 500 the other day. It bumped up, you know, 300 feet. Um, all these rivers are getting water. Even at the highest mountain lakes, you are definitely starting to get the effect. Even if nothing else, it's just the, the sunlight getting a little bit of melt. So 100%, your oxygen levels are, I really want to say skyrocketing because they are. You're getting a ton of oxygen in that body of water. Um, so that's getting the fish activity drastically higher. Um, and then, again, you get the spawn effect. As you get rainbows that are spring spawner, walleye spring spawner, a lot of these fish are spring spawners. And you throw that quality of pre-spawn and aggression on top of the oxygen, and it does. It boosts it. And, you know, we I think we put so much emphasis on early ice, and there's no doubt early ice and late ice are your two peaks. Of the two, I would almost always pick late ice. I hate to say it because – so many people are burned out because they've been ice fishing for multiple months now. You know, they're ready for spring. They're ready for warmth. They're ready for their boat. Um, but, again, this probably, honestly, if you look at your catch rate, you look at the size of fish you're catching, this late ice and, and the, you know, the later ice portion is probably truly the peak of the entire ice, uh, ice season to catch more and bigger fish. Um, it definitely conjugates the fish and puts them together. Um, and, again, I'd say it's far easier to catch these fish just because of the, the aggression rate. They're, they're easier to trick um, into taking the bait. So, so definitely. Um, I, again, I, as much as anybody, I love getting out there on my nitro boat. Uh, but right now I would definitely not put away the ice gear and, and take advantage for at least another week or so why all these bites are so hot. All right, 30 seconds. One place if you're going to go ice fishing today and one place you might go cast a lure in open water. If you're going to go ice fishing, you know, be super careful, but Chatfield Reservoir for those walleyes. I think walleyes are so elusive and hard to catch in the winter. Get out there and catch them while they are hot. Uh, if you're going to go open water, it's hard to beat Pueblo. I'm a huge fan of Pueblo, so I'd hit Pueblo, or I'd throw my rod in my truck, and I'd drive around the smaller uh, bodies of water around town and, and find that pond that's warming up pretty nice. All right. Karen wants me to put you on hold. She must want to yell at you about something, or she wants to complain about, <coughs> complain about me. I don't know what it is. But, but, Nate, thanks for joining us. If people want more yep. information, Tightline Outdoors. 
And tight That's line. It, Tyler Facebook, TylerDoors.com. All right, my friend, I'll put you on hold. We'll talk to you again next Thank week. Thank you. You bet. Nate Selinski, always a great contributor. Just always brings so much to the show. We love Nate. Hey, um, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about, um, got some trivia lined up, got some nice gifts lined up. We're going to tell you uh, how not how you can win this week, but how you can maybe win next week or the week after on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Dire Straits. You can tell those guitar licks. Got how are you going to make a living? you got to move them TVs and refrigerators. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And I want to take a couple minutes to update you on we're going to be bringing trivia back. We're lining up some really nice fishing packages, you know, like rod reel and lures, maybe some lure selections. And we're also going to give away some individual lures. And Just got a lot of things we're working on, and we're hoping to grow that. And we're going to start that in the next couple weeks here. And the reason I'm telling you now is because almost always the answer to our trivia is on our social media. So what we're going to do is we'll start posting. Karen does 20 years of uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors trivia or 20-plus years, whatever she calls it, because we're in our 23rd year now, I think, of the show. And there'll be a clue or an answer to a trivia question that we'll have the follow- that Saturday that if you follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, you'll get that and you'll know that there's a trivia answer there. Now, another thing we're going to do, we want you to bookmark uh, our uh, YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, because some of our trivia questions or some of the things that we're going to ask you to identify to win some lures and things, we're going to make you go out to our YouTube channel and watch a part of an episode to pick something out. So some some questions will be buried in that. Now, we will put links on the Facebook page. And we always, Karen always links every time we add a um, an episode to the, to the YouTube channel. In fact, we've got like 130-some episodes now on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And you know that we did the two shows, Mountain States Fishing and Angling Adventures. Mountain State was kind of a how-to and it's in your backyard kind of thing. Angling Adventures was about, more. Well, here's a destination. Here's what it offers. Some of those were here. Some of them were in Alaska and Central America and Minnesota. So they give you some ideas about some places you might want to go. Uh, but about half of them were filmed right here. Like We had one we just put up a few weeks ago, going to Lawn Hagler and fishing. And we took you around with certain different little lures early in the spring, really basic fishing and taught you how to go catch, catch a bunch of trout right away in the spring. Uh, it got a lot of views. We have one on Deckers that gets viewed all the time where we used uh, uh, indicators and San Juan worms and nymphs to catch the trout through Deckers. So we have lots of that. And we have walleye fishing at Pueblo. We have just a, a real myriad of episodes right around here and lots of great destinations. So I really want you to follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook because you're going to get a chance to win some great fishing equipment and also to bookmark uh, our our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and the, the Facebook is Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And uh, you get a chance, and you're going to have some fun and get lots of great information. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back. We're going to talk fly fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. 
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones. And joining us from the Blue Quill Angler is Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing great. And with this warm weather, I know we're going to get a little blurb Sunday night, but then it's going to warm up again. And I think we're probably starting to turn the corner on that continuous cold and snow where we'll start seeing more warm days than cold days, at least very soon. And with the warm days we have had and the flows being a little up, I can't help but think that fly fishing has been pretty good. It has been. It's a, uh, you know, we're coming out of the winter time, and I think everybody's excited for that. I think everybody's had their fair share of snow so far this season, and, uh, and things are, like you said, they're warming up. The bugs are starting to get active. The fish are starting to eat a little bit heavier, and, yeah, it's a fun time to get out there and fish. Any places in particular you really seen it going on? Yeah, a couple of rivers been fishing uh, really good. Uh, the South Platte, you know, the Deckers areas, um, as always, is a great winter option. Um, you know, we're starting down at Deckers, starting to see our good little spring midge hatch that's, you know, gearing up, which is a little bit bigger midge than what's traditionally hatching at Deckers. And uh, it's usually a great kickoff to the spring, and it's, yeah, really good fishing right now, and especially if you can string together two, three, four days of nice weather in a row, um, that's that's going to continue to fish well. And another option is up in Silverthorne, up on the Blue River. It's good flows out of Dillon right now. Another really good, reliable winter fishery, and um, and the same thing as weather starts warming on up there, and fish get on the feed. Midges are going to be the prime food source here. Well, oh, you know, there's another great tailwaters we're talking about, too, that uh, fishes really well through the winter that I love, and that's below Pueblo. Oh, yeah, you bet. Down below Pueblo, it stays a little warmer down there on the Arkansas River, um, the tailwater section below the reservoir. And, uh, you know, great time. Small mayfly nymphs, small pheasant tails will work really well down there. Um, you know, across the board, whether it's down at Pueblo or Deckers or up on the Blue, it's hard to go wrong this time of year with an egg-midge combo. Egg is your first fly and dropping a midge off the back. And um, the Arkansas River down in Pueblo, you have a few more options. It's a little bit warmer down there, and um, that's where you start getting a little bit more of the mayfly activity and little bathis nymphs are going to be really good. And, yeah, just a fun time to be out and fishing right now. I've also heard that above uh, Pueblo that the Arkansas flows have picked up, and that's fishing pretty well. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, that's a, uh, you know, up through Canyon City and up above Canyon City as well. Um, this time of year in the spring, they go through a stonefly molt down there, and uh, the stoneflies aren't hatching. They're just molting. Um, but it gets the bugs active in the water, and it's a tremendously fun time right now to fish on the Arkansas. It's a great way to avoid some of the crowds. And um, The only thing I'd say on the Arkansas is try to follow that sunshine, especially as the river flows through the canyons. Follow the sunshine, you'll follow some uh, hungry fish. Now, is are, is most of what we're seeing right now tailwaters? Um, are we seeing any of the other rivers start to open up a little bit, or are they still pretty locked up with ice? I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, the tailwaters are definitely more reliable still right now, um, but the bigger freestone rivers like the Arkansas and like the Colorado River, those are starting to come to life. Um, the Roaring Fork River out into Glenwood Springs, um, all those rivers, I mean, they get, you know, traditionally pretty tough in the wintertime just because the ice shelves and how cold the water temperatures get. And we're starting to finally get out of that, and those fish are going to start, um, probably get ready to spawn here over the next few weeks too. So another great time to be out there. 
Well, and, and those spawning rainbows don't mean you're limited to rainbows either because, boy, do those big browns like those rainbow eggs. Oh, they do. They do, and especially coming out of the wintertime, and those fish are, you know, their metabolism starting to speed up again. They're starting to fill their bellies more than once every couple of days and uh, get those browns going, the rainbows. It's, yeah, the springtime, the next few weeks, great time to get out, good kickoff to the 2020 season. A couple of things I want to ask you about, and you and I have never really talked about these. Well, we talked a little bit about Bear Creek and Clear Creek. They can be excellent fisheries close to Denver, but they tend to be a little shadow, a little ice. Are they still kind of iced up, those two? They they still are, uh, especially Bear Creek, still pretty choked up, um, especially you get further up closer to Evergreen. Um, the same with Clear Creek. You could go find some open sections right now, Uh but most of it, especially, it just runs through that canyon, so it doesn't get a ton of sunshine throughout the day. Um, and so we're still probably, I'd say, going to two, three weeks out from Clear Creek, really starting to pick up and be more productive on the river. Now, as far as we always talk about the South Platte as it comes through Cheeseman and Deckers and those areas and the Dream Stream, of course, but have you done much on the, Pueb- on the uh, South Platte as it comes out of Chatfield? At times... There's some pretty good trout in there, and there's some other species. Have you heard or done anything there? Um, yeah, so that's a uh, the the South Platte that runs all the way, you know, from Chatfield through Denver. Um, you know, there's a lot of different restoration projects that have happened out throughout the years, and uh, the fishing for trout, for smallies, for carp could be great down there. Um, you know, speaking to my heart, I uh, I grew up fishing Waterton down in Littleton above Chatfield too, and um, this time of year, you get some sweet fish that will run up from the reservoir up into Waterton Canyon. And that's an area that tons of people just don't fish. Um, <laughs> and I, for me, I love it. I'm a little biased being that I grew up fishing it, but it's, it could be tremendous fishing in the spring for really good-sized fish running out of Chatfield. Well, I'll tell you a little experience I had in uh, Chatfield where the river runs into it, just up from where the river runs into Chatfield. This goes back, I don't know, 25 years probably. I caught six trout that day. The smallest was 22 inches. Oh, now, I'm sure it. I'm sure a couple of them were broodfish that had been stocked in the lake, but what an experience, and I'm 20 minutes from home because I lived in Denver then. Uh, last thing I want to talk to you about before we go, and that's I believe you have an event coming up next week, some fly tying with a friend of ours. Yeah, so we have uh, Landon Mayer, uh, big Colorado fly fishing guide. Uh, Landon's going to be at our shop up in Evergreen next Saturday. Uh, I believe it's March 7th. And uh, Landon's going to be teaching the fly tying clinic. And those in the industry, those who like to fly fish, have probably fished Landon's flies before. Um, and this is a chance for anglers to really gear up, fill up their fly box, and they get to tie one-on-one with Landon Mayer and uh, learning the right ways of how to create his special flies. Um, and that's, we, we, it's a very select class. We have six people max, but we still have a few openings. If anybody's interested, it's $50 a person. And Terry, it includes everything, um, all the tools, the vice, all the materials to tie the flies. And you're just coming up here tying with Landon Mayer. Well, and I'll tell you what, if you would just want to talk to him, there's, he's as good as it comes to catching big fish. Oh, he's it, and he's such a nice man, such a professional in the industry. Um, he's a great steward for Colorado's rivers, and he goes speaking across the country on how special Colorado is and how important it is to take care of our rivers. And 
we think the world of Landon, and we're really happy to join forces with him and offer something pretty cool. Yeah, I'm always glad to consider him a friend. We are out of time, Chris. If people want more information, how do they find you guys? You bet. You give us a call. Um, you can find us online at bluequillangler.com or give us a shout at the shop, 303-674-4700. It's a great time of year, especially if those people are – you know, starting to get interested in fly fishing, looking to make the jump. This is a great time to get into it. We run a whole bunch of classes starting in early April. And um, if anybody has questions, call us at the shop. We tell you what the rivers are fishing like, what flies to use, anything we can do to really help out. All right, my friend, we will talk again very soon. Awesome, Terry. Thank you very much. You bet. Chris Steinbeck from Blue Quill Angler. We'll take a quick time out, and Ronnie Castellioni will join us, and we'll talk more fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Oh, sure. And then you play Take It to the Limit, which is one of my favorite Eagles songs. I know what I'm doing. And Ronnie's on the line waiting. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And we will go right to the phones. And we are joined by uh, Ronnie Castellioni from Fishful Thinker. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I understand you're doing some open water fishing. Yeah, we are actually out on my boat. We're on Lone Hagler this morning, and uh, this has been relatively slow in the grand scheme of things, Terry. We were hoping for some warmer weather and hoping the water temperatures might warm up a little bit, but so far this morning, it's been been really cold out here, Terry, so we're not getting a lot of sun. The water temperatures maybe 36, 36, 37 degrees, and so the trout are biting, and that's just about it so far. Well, you know, it's a great lake for springtime trout, though. They stock it heavily, and in fact, I did a show on my uh, YouTube channel just fishing it from a boat and just going for trout in the spring. Uh, although the lake does have a great population of other fish, it's got bass, it's got small and largemouth bass, it's got some walleyes, it's got some pike too, believe it or not. But there's a number of fish in there. But uh, I suppose I won't gear up to go ice fishing there today then. Say it again, Terry. You cut out on me. I said, I suppose I won't get up to go ice fishing at Lon Hagler today then. Well, believe it or not, the one in the, the, the west end of the lake still has a little bit of ice, and there are a few guys that are out on the ice. But just in us driving by and looking at that ice, it looks a little sketchy to me, Terry. So I would not be a big proponent of getting out on that ice right now. But uh, there's still people doing it. <laughs> All right. Well, Ronnie, my note says you wanted to talk about um, the the – the fall rate, uh, dialing in the fall rate to catch fish. And that is an important, that's an important factor. And there's a lot of things that influence. Give us your thoughts. Yeah, they really are, Terry. And that is really an important skill set and an important factor to consider on any given day. You know, just the other day I was watching one of the recent, uh, MLF, uh, a cup series events and they were up on one of the great lakes and they were, you know, all out there fishing for smallmouth. And uh, all the guys kind of ended up basically on one point, one main lake point that they had out there, one big piece of structure. And uh, definitely the smallies were there. There was no doubt about it. But one guy out of the 10 guys that were sitting on that point just lapped the field, Terry. I mean, he caught three times as many fish as anybody else and uh, caught way bigger average size fish than anybody else that was out there in that tournament that day. And the big key, really, at the end of it, when it kind of came down to it, was the fact that he dialed in his drop shot to have the right fall rate. And earlier in the show, when they were showing the guy, you know, he pulled out several different drop shot weights and laid them on the deck and said, you know, I'm going to try all three of these. 
and uh, and figured out that that quarter ounce was the deal that day, and and the rest of the guys just didn't really dial into that particular thing, Terry. And you know that can be the key on any given day. A fall rate of your presentation, the, the the speed at which your lure falls through the water column, can absolutely be the triggering factor to get those fish to bite on any given day, Terry. Well, you're absolutely right. And you know, I don't drop shot a lot, but I don't think of drop shot as fall rate. I think of fishing the weight on the bottom, but I can see where if you're letting it fall. But where I really think of the fall rate is like on a jig, which I'm sure you do too. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. And the drop shot, a lot of times it is on the fall. When you make that cast out there and you let that presentation down or you pick it up and you move it, then, uh, you know, it is the rate at which it falls a lot of times can trigger it. Uh, the jig is absolutely a big one when you think about, you know, how, how fast is this jig going to fall through the water column? And there's definitely some things that will affect that, Terry. Uh, one of the big ones, obviously, is going to be the weight of the jig. So certainly a heavier jig is going to fall much faster than a lighter jig. That's kind of a no-brainer. But the line you're using on your presentation can also affect your fall rate. So just the simple fact that maybe one person in the boat's using mono and the other person's using fluorocarbon, uh, that fluorocarbon is going to fall a lot faster through the water column than that mono will because that mono likes to float. Uh, maybe one person in the boat's using a, a real thicker uh, diameter braid and the other guy's got a real thin diameter braid. That thinner diameter braid is going to have less resistance as it falls through the water as well. So that lure is going to fall faster on that as well. So that's a few key things right there. The other thing that comes into play is, is absolutely on a jig is going to be the, the trailer or the, the lure, the, the, the plastic presentation that you put on that jig. That's absolutely going to affect the fall rate, Terry. You know, one of the big things that will affect it is going to be the tail that's on that presentation. So let's say you've got, you know, a similar kind of minnow body bait, but one of them has more of a thumper tail on it or one of them has more of a paddle tail on it. One of them has kind of a straight tail on it. Well, that straight tail is going to fall a lot faster through the water column than that thumper tail. Or maybe one person might be using something like a grub and the other person's using something like a gulp minnow. That grub's going to have a lot more resistance as it falls through the water column than that gulp minnow does. So, you know, little things like that, paying attention to that, paying attention to what kind of line you're using, what diameter line you're using. Uh, maybe if you're using braid with the leader, you know, that thickness of that leader will affect the fall rate on any given day. You know, so little things like that can absolutely make you huge difference you know ice fishing's uh you know we're still doing a lot of ice fishing here in the state and, and fall rate is absolutely a big deal a lot of days when you get out there ice fishing terry i can tell you just from the other day we were up on a, a lake in the mountain up there and i had a buddy with me and you know earlier in the day i told him you know i eight ounce jig with a three inch gold minnow on it that's going to be the deal well he fished for uh, several hours that morning without getting a bite and we were just absolutely running through the fish and so you know i i went over there and took a look at his jig and his jig was a 16th ounce jig. He did not have an 8th ounce jig on there. He just didn't know how much it weighed. And I was like, you know, the minute I was like, no, let me see your box. No, put this one on right here. Here you go. He caught a fish within just a few minutes of dropping the 8-ounce jig through the hole, Terry. So, you know, that just those little things like that can absolutely make the difference on any given day. Right, and you're not always trying to slow down the drop either. And by the way, a bigger-bodied plastic will fall slower too. Sometimes, like you said with that jig you switched out ice fishing, sometimes you're wanting it to drop quicker to get a more aggressive presentation. Sometimes you want it to drop slow to kind of hang in that strike zone longer. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's always that. There's a lot of times when we use, uh, you know, soft plastic stick baits, you know, for wacky rigging type presentations, Cinco type presentations, and, and changing up from maybe just a, a wacky rig hook that it's going to have an incredibly slow fall rate to maybe a weighted wacky style hook that has a little bit of a jig head on it, that sort of a thing. That'll get that, uh, that'll get that Cinco to fall quite a bit faster through the water column, you know. And so there's other things as well, Terry. A lot of times early in the year, one of the presentations I like to do up on horse teams, especially when the water's high like it is this year, is I get out there and I, I like to skip, uh, you know, four-inch gulp minnows, uh, basically weightless with just an offset hook. I like to skip them up underneath those trees and let them fall, you know. Well, I, there's there's guys that have been on the boat with me before, and, you know, maybe they didn't have the four-inch gulp minnow with them, but they had something like a four-inch fluke. Well, that four-inch fluke falls a lot slower through the water column than that four-inch gulp minnow does because that gulp minnow has that fluid embedded in it, so it's quite a bit heavier and it tends to fall quite a bit faster. Um, that made the difference on a lot of days out there where they just couldn't get the bites with the four-inch fluke, and I was absolutely running through the fish with the four-inch gulp minnow, you know, and, and really just, you know, it, same profile, same color, same basic stuff. Uh, it just really had to do with the fall rate, uh, you know, on, on those given days. So just those small little things. Dialing in on those will absolutely make the difference. All right, Ronnie, we're going to have to cut it off. We're running out of time, but next time you come on, I expect a, a report and a picture of all the fish you caught out on Lawn Hagler today. All right, well, we'll try to catch a decent one and show you. I will tell you, we caught one trout that looked like he'd been chewed up by one of these tiger muskies or pikes in this lake, Terry, so you're right about that. Yeah, I, I bass fished there and got bit off quite a few times with throwing just a plastic worm uh, almost weightless, talk about slow fall around some weeds when the water was high in the back end, and all of a sudden my worm would just disappear, and it was bitten off, and you knew exactly what it was. But, Ronnie, thank you again for joining us. we got to get together soon. We will talk to you very soon. All right, buddy. Have a good one. You bet. Ronnie Castiglione, always a great resource. We're going to wrap it up here, but we're gonna, you can follow us every Saturday morning here on The Fan. Now, our time will change as we get into April and the golf show comes back. So kind of watch for that. And we have a couple things like March Madness and the NFL draft that might shuffle us around. We'll keep you, we'll keep you uh, appraised of what's going on with those. But every Saturday morning here on the fan. But follow us on Facebook. That's the key to the show. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And don't forget to go take a peek at our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And... The reason to follow us on Facebook, though, is our trivia is going to start, and we're lining up some great fishing gear to give away. And if you follow us on Facebook, you're going to have a head start in winning uh, some of that. Um, Thanks to Kyle for keeping us rolling. Thanks to Karen for keeping me in line. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in ESPN Sports on 104.3 The Fan. (laughs) 